Thank you, Lord. 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 Father, we thank you. Thank you for your presence that is here. I pray as we continue to listen to your word. Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to our hearts. Minister to our spirits. Minister to our souls. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth, do great and mighty things, O oh Lord. Do great and mighty things, O oh Lord, in our midst. Father, as your word says, the Son of Man came to say, conceive, seek and save that which was lost. Thank you, Father. Lord, you're here to seek and save that which is lost, even in our lives. Whatever the enemy tried to take, Lord, you're here to restore it. You're here to give it back to us, Father, in a double measure. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And as we pursue your kingdom and your righteousness, and as we do what you have called us to do, my Father, I pray that you will reveal to us, Lord, your greater glory. We need your glory. We need your greater glory, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We commit ourselves into your hands, Father. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. Remove every hindrance in Jesus' name. Break every barrier in Jesus' name. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you. Abba, reveal to us the mind of Christ. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to turn our Bibles um, to God's Word. I'm going to, uh, we're going to go to Judges chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Judges chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 1. Judges chapter 4 from verse 1 onwards. Tomorrow we're going to have a um, Sunday service. However, um, this is very important for us. The Lord has called us for seven days. Usually when we have church, we don't. But I'm not going to be in the house of God tomorrow. Lord willing, this will be the last Sunday that I won't be in the house of God. I'm looking forward to being in the, in the presence of the Lord and rejoicing with God's people on the first Sunday um, of um, June. So, um, so tomorrow evening, um, seven o'clock, we're going to be here on Ring Central after church. In church, usually I think it, it's over like three thirty, maximum four. So, at seven o'clock, we're going to be here, and uh, we're going to uh, fast and pray. Tomorrow is going to be the last day for the seven days of um, fasting and prayer that the Lord has called us to. Um, pray tomorrow. So, um, we'll be here tomorrow at seven. I'm going to, um, go into God's word. God has been doing amazing things all through this week. God has been hearing each one of our prayers. All those prayers that were prayed according to God's will has been heard by God. They all have been heard by God and He has been answering. So, God is working. A lot of things have um, happened this week, and uh, in God's time, God will um, reveal it um, to our church, 
as the Lord leads in God's time. And um, in the meantime, we're going to uh, keep our eyes focused on um, the purpose of our fasting. And we're going to um, pray um, today and tomorrow. And then we're going to go into the uh, fasting prayer for the month of um, June that we will begin from the 1st to the 8th. Praise God. We'll continue to pray for tomorrow's service. God is going to do great and mighty things um, tomorrow. Blessed be the Lord. The enemy wants to enter into God's people to destroy God's house. He will look for someone who has the potential for it. He will look for people who have common ground. He'll look for something that is common. And he will get into those people, just like how in the Garden of Eden, in order to destroy God's call on Adam and Eve, in order to destroy the work that God began in Adam and Eve's life, in order to take everything from Adam and Eve. Satan couldn't just directly go in his form. He had to look for a body. We have to always know that Satan will look for bodies, human bodies. And he will also use animals. We've seen this. Um, in witchcraft, we've seen... Um, animals being used and animals, you know, that would come being moved by, um, demons. And, uh, so God gives power to his people over all the powers of darkness, whether, uh, it uses animals it, or it uses human beings. Primarily human beings are used, but when the enemy wants to come in a very subtle way, he'll use animals as well. So, um, in different time periods, Satan has used different kings. He has used different people in the kingdom. In Jesus' ministry, he used one of his disciples who was with Jesus, who went everywhere where Jesus went, and who saw what Jesus did, who received everything from Jesus, who experienced the love of Jesus, who saw how much good he did for people. He experienced all the goodness. He was one of those who saw the five those two fish turn into more than 5,000 um, pieces and fragments and whatever you call it. It was a big multiplication. And he saw how Jesus cared for people and how much he, he did not think about himself and how he poured himself out. And he was one among the uh, disciples who saw Jesus sit in the... Um, heat of the day by that well 
even though he was so exhausted, he didn't think about his food and he ministered to Samaritan women and then he stayed there for a few more days ministering to the entire village. He was one of them who saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And when you look at Jesus' life, somebody can say, how can someone who was with Jesus, who lived with Jesus, so to speak, and that Jesus didn't have a house, who saw the ministry of Jesus, who actually gave up his old lifestyle, who gave up what he had when he was called to become one of his disciples, who actually went out among the twelve to cast out devils and who experienced, who received so much from Jesus Christ. And we know that Satan entered into Pharisees and Sadducees and the people in power, power-hungry people who hated Jesus. You can understand people are outside. But how can someone who is inside, inside within that 12, turn against Jesus, thinking that Jesus didn't know, Jesus knew, but he thought, even though he saw Jesus do all the miracles, even though he saw Jesus knowing the thoughts of the people, the Bible says, even though he saw, when no one saw that Zacchaeus was on top of the tree, Jesus called him from the tree, even though he saw. Because somewhere in his heart, he allowed greed, he allowed lust, he allowed desire for power. And as a result, it's very um, interesting to see. He thought that Jesus was dumb. He looks for people who would partner with him, partner with the works of darkness. The works of darkness will... The works of darkness will look for bodies because demonic spirits are spirits, you see. So they use people. They'll see even among unbelievers, there are people who are really wicked. Because Satan is unclean and he's wicked, he looks for people who have things in common. So he looks for bodies and he looks for people who will partner with him. And when he finds such people, he'll go to them and he will appeal to their lust. He will appeal to their greed. He'll appeal to whatever wicked nature they have on the inside. And when these people who are wicked inside, they say, yes, I'll work with you then evil spirits begin to take over 
the human being's mind. And then gradually, evil spirits will take over the human being's speech, the human being's action, emotions, and he will take over the human being's body itself. At that point, it's a full-blown demon possession. Up until that point, it's still evil spirits that are using a person from being influenced by evil spirits to becoming possessed by evil spirits. People are used by the devil. Now, there are many forms of demon possession. The devil doesn't act the same way. If you look at Hitler, he was possessed by a murderous spirit that murdered a lot of people. Lots and lots of people. If you look at Nero, the Roman emperor, he was filled with murderous spirit. He murdered a lot of God's people. Every generation and every culture and every tribe these spirits look for bodies. It looks, it, they look for minds. They look for people. It goes into an individual, then it'll go from there and it'll look for more people to pull to its side. Now, when we look at how the demonic spirits work, it should show us something very important. Evil spirits not only go to unbelievers, they also go to believers. From unbelievers to believers, evil spirits take over depending on where a human being would stand before God. When they are unbelievers, they are fully open. Because Jesus is not the Lord of their lives. But if they are believers, they are not walking with God. And they have evil spirits coming around, appealing to their evil nature on the inside. And a believer partners with the evil spirit, then the evil spirit will take over a person by degrees. It takes over their mind by first bringing to them thoughts, suggestions, ideas, hatred, vengeance, suspicion, Bitterness, slender, gossip. In short, those are the works of the flesh. When we understand that the works of the flesh are the manifestation of evil spirits, then we will be very careful because it's partnering with the devil at that point. Works of the flesh should not be taken lightly. You have to take it very seriously. 
Because whatever you give yourself over to, it'll become your Lord. Whatever you give yourself over to, it'll become your Lord. So when we look at Jesus' life, yes, Satan went to the Pharisees. Satan went to the Sadducees. They were open to receive the spirit of murder because they were power-hungry people. Whitewashed sepulchre, Jesus calls them. Because they did things on the outside to please or to show people that they are righteous. Inside, they were different. So the devil had a common ground because that's how Satan is, right? He's a deceiver. Satan is called a deceiver. A deceiver is someone who is not real on the outside. He is showing another face on the outside. So Pharisees and Sadducees are people who put weights, they put weights on their followers, but they don't follow a thing. They're hypocrites, like Jesus said. Satan has something very common with them because Satan is like that. He put weights on people, legalistic weights on people. Undue weights on people with no life but pressure on people. Vain religion. No truth whatsoever to it. Now when we see that, we know, oh, Satan knows that this person can work with me because they already have what I'm looking for. Evil spirits are evil, so they'll look for evil qualities in people so that they can hire them, use them, and possess them. They look for evil behavior, evil intention, evil lifestyle, evil, period. But how did Judas become Judas? How do you become Judas? When Jesus called Judas and called him to be his disciple, he didn't call Judas because I'm going to mark this Judas to be the son of perdition. No, he became the son of perdition. How did he become like that? What happened? Anyone among the twelve could have become like that. Anyone outside the twelve could have become like that. But Judas chose to take up that role of the betrayer. Why? He was doing good. That's why Jesus chose him. All night he prayed and he chose the twelve disciples. When he chose the twelve disciples, Judas was one among the twelve. Judas came. He was called. He was appointed by God. And he was sent out by God. He was given responsibilities by God. 
the second person of the Trinity. He enjoyed all those privileges. He went with the rest of the eleven to go and do ministry. He was with Jesus. But he was not with Jesus because somewhere along the lines down the road, he departed from God in his heart. He left the ways of righteousness. God gave him a position. Out of the 12 disciples, Judas was the one who had the money bag. He was in charge of the money that was responsible for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Whatever people gave for the work of the Lord, Judas was in charge of that. So God trusted him. Jesus trusted him and gave him that ministry. He sent him with eleven to go heal the sick, to raise the dead, cast out devils. They all went. Judas was one among them. Why did Jesus give him that? Because he trusted him. You never see Jesus just single him out and just leave him. But while Judas was living that way, enjoying everything that the Lord Jesus had given him, somewhere in his heart, he became very complacent, somewhere in his heart, he became proud. He thought, hey, I'm the disciple of Jesus. So what came to him, spirit of pride came to him and appealed to his proud nature on the inside that he entertained. What came to him, the spirit of lust came to him. When the woman who brought the alabaster ointment and broke it at the feet of Jesus, Judas dared enough to call it a waste. He put Jesus down. He called that a waste. This woman is wasting this. He called it a waste. He put Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, who raised people from the dead down, exalted himself as if he knew better than God Almighty. Those are the markers of backsliding. Dare to exalt oneself above the one who called him to serve him to be his disciple he forgot that he was the disciple and jesus was the master blindness comes with delusion he's still continuing to go he's still continuing to put on his show and there's this blindness that is growing deeper where he thinks that oh i can steal now i can steal i can Take from the offering bag. I can take from the offering bag. I'm just going to.
So, Judas, the delusion that came into him came in by degrees. And his eyes were blinded. At this point, he thinks he knows more than Jesus. He thinks Jesus doesn't know. He's wasting. While he was, Judas was stealing, he's looking at Jesus as if he's letting her break this ointment and pour it on him while Jesus knows she is doing it unto his death and burial. He's looking at Jesus as if he's a fool. What a waste. She's wasting this precious ointment on Jesus. And he even comes up with a better suggestion or a command to Jesus. This could have been sold and given to the poor. Righteous appearance. Jesus at that point didn't say, Hey, you thief. Are you looking to steal more? No. He was very wise. He said, in his heart, Jesus knew. Judas, your day is coming, your sin will find you out. He didn't say anything to Judas directly about his stealing there. But he just said one sentence, the poor you always have with you, but me you don't have with you all the time. Judas was still there around after all of this right to the communion table where Jesus now is actually saying it out loud there's someone here who's going to betray me he's actually saying that I know it now he actually spelled it out I mean Judas should have known that Jesus knows already but delusion when it takes over a person they give themselves over to delusion they become presumptuous what happened at that point? Judas took part in the cup. The Jesus said, whoever is going to dip in that cup, this person is going to betray me. You know what? He boldly came and did it. Boldly came and did it to show Jesus as if he's a fool again. At that point, the evil spirit that was with him on the outside, speaking to him, taking him to the, the priests and the scribes, he was already making deal with them to betray Jesus. The evil spirit that was next to him, that was speaking to him, talking to him, leading him, entered into Judas. You call that demon possession. That's what happened. When people entertain demonic spirits, the evil spirits that are with them and they go with them and they, whatever they're doing, they're talking, the evil spirits are talking and these people partner with them, who? Believers. Partner with those demons, listen to them and entertain them even though they know these are demons. A strong delusion comes. Why? Because you know the truth, you know the Lord of glory. And at that point, they entertain the voices of the evil spirits that makes them look like they are bigger than God. 
Lucifer spirit. May God help us never to fall into the trap of Satan. May God help us never to fall into the trap of Satan. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. It has begun already in our church, in our midst. We have to be very, very, very careful. When it comes to the servants of God, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to serving in the house of God, we have to be very, very careful. The Bible says God sent a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. We have to be very careful as believers. Be careful with who we are dealing with. We are dealing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A God is love and a God is a consuming fire. As we study a few more scriptures from the life of Deborah, Barak, and the army, it's not going to be a big message, I believe, from what the Spirit of the Lord is leading me now. I didn't plan to speak on this. As you know, I don't plan anything when I come here or to the church. I only pray and come and the Spirit of God leads us. The Lord had me open to the scripture and the Lord had me speak on what I spoke. It's from the Lord. We have to be very careful as God's people. Never to give in to the evil spirits that come and try to put thoughts in the mind. Try to come and speak to a human being. Never partner with evil spirits while they speak to you. From outside, from without. Those who give ear to those evil spirits and begin to obey them and partner with them and enjoy conversations with the evil spirits because they feel like, oh, I feel power. It's a false power delusion where they feel like they're more powerful than everybody else. Where they start putting other people down. And they become evil themselves. Evil spirits are never content by walking with people and talking to them and making them do evil, they will go into the bodies of those human beings and it will become a full-blown demon possession. Now, we must understand that there are consequences for presumptuous sin, consequences for partnering with wickedness, Never think that, oh, I'll fool around and then I'll come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. And he'll forgive me and he will restore everything. And I will have everything that I lost before, I will have now and maybe even better. Presumptuously, if you do that, you will not recover anything. Rather, you will have consequences like how David had. What did David have? You look at David's life. David not recovered anything. David did not recover anything after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, covered it up, and lived a lie. He didn't recover. What he lost, he lost. What did he lose? He lost the purity that he had in his line. You had an adulterous generation that came after that. Incest, adultery, and God's punishment. What you did with a woman 
on the inside of your house will be done to your wives on the rooftop. That's what happened. Very, very severe. What you do in secret, God will expose it outside and the judgment will be very cruel, very bitter. You plant bitter seeds, don't expect sweet apple to come. Bitter fruit will come and you will have to eat it. And I remember preaching on this before. Be very careful as to what you open your heart to, what you open your mind to, what you bring into your house, what you watch, what you hear, because that will master you and it will possess you. Don't give into the delusion thinking that, oh, my pastor won't know. Your pastor knows. A lot of time your pastor knows what is happening. But just like Jesus was very quiet, the pastor is very quiet until a hard fall happens because it's presumption that is taking place. The Lord will say, don't say anything. Because these people knew knowingly they're doing what they shouldn't be doing. So the fall will be hard. The punishment will be hard. The consequence will be very hard. At that time, we say, Lord, it's so hard for me to bear. God say, yes, you made the choice. When you made the choice to sow bitter fruits, bitter seeds, it was nice for you. Now you have to eat the bitter fruit. See how it is. Because when you make certain choice to crucify Jesus again and again on the cross, when you make certain choices to trample the blood of the Lord of glory, you will have to eat the fruit of it. So never, never think that God will let you off the hook if you deliberately go against the Lord of glory and think that. I can do all of that. My pastor won't know. And I can just smile and say, praise the Lord, pastor. Your pastor will also smile and say, praise the Lord. Just like how Jesus said. Till the last minute, looked at Judas and said, friend, you betrayed me with a kiss. He didn't say, you thief, you, you already stole and I knew you were a thief. Now, you're exposed. He didn't say that. You know why? Because what followed Judas was, everyone saw what happened to him after that. To this day, he is in the pit of hell. This conscience smiting him. Oh, I betrayed the innocent man. I betrayed the Lord of glory. But you know what? There was no repentance. There was no grace to repent. So never, never think that. You can presumptuously sin against the Lord. Because the grace to repent is something that is given by God. There will come a point where you won't have that grace to repent. That's the worst place for a believer to be in. Judas made that choice. Knowingly he made that choice. Consequences are real. Consequences are very real. Solomon, who was born to Bathsheba and David, you see his life, how many wives, how many concubines. And his whole heart was taken away from the living God because of women. Look at the consequence, generational curse. Look at the immorality that plagued David's line. The peace that David had, he no longer had after that. Look what Absalom did to him after that. When Saul chased after him, it was for righteousness, but David suffered after his sin. Great fall, you know why? He knew and he sinned. Be very careful. God is warning our church, be very careful when it comes to presumptuous sin. 
you will suffer, your generation will suffer. Your body will suffer from diseases, your children will suffer from diseases and generational curse. Peace will be taken away from you if you spit on the Prince of Peace. Anytime you partner with evil spirits, understand they are not your friends, they are your enemies. They'll make sure they'll make you make your life miserable. They'll make sure they'll torment you to the maximum because you're made in the image of God and they hate you. They're not your friends. Demons are not your friends. Demons are your enemies. If you ever think that, oh, I can do this while they're having fun, I want to have fun. Many people are in hell today because Satan said you can have fun. Can any truth come from the father of lies? It cannot. So there is a war that you have to wage for your own soul. There is a war that you have to wage for your own children and for your own family. There is a war that you have to wage. And that is why God has given us the whole armor. Because we have to war. We have to war against the enemy of our soul. If you are loyal to God, you will be a soldier on the Lord's side. If you are disloyal to God, then you will be like Judas, who is with Jesus physically, but in the heart of ours, with Satan, with the Pharisees, and with the Sadducees, and with the high priest on the outside. Jesus knew that all along. But he just left everything in the hands of the Almighty God. And Judas received the righteous judgment that came from God Almighty. Even though he was one among the twelve disciples, because his sin was treacherous, his end was pathetic. Judas's end was pathetic. May God speak to our hearts today, never to become treacherous in your hearts towards the living God, never to entertain anything demonic that comes from Satan, your mind, against God, against the servants of God, against the house of God. That's how the enemy will enter in. Thinking that I know more than God, I know more than the pastors, I know more. They don't know anything. That's Lucifer's spirit, spirit of pride. Don't give room to that. Because people have a very tragic end when they give room to that. Delusion will come in and they will not be able to see the slippery road because God places them up on the slippery surface. They go faster than how you get on a slide or a roller coaster. You won't even know you're going to the bottomless pit. God help you. Never think that I have secret sin. I'm hiding this and I can touch the Lord's Supper. Because of what was happening, but the grace of God in our church, other than the New Year's Eve service, we have not had a communion service here. Because the Lord told me, not everyone is ready, but they will come and touch that Lord's table. And people can get sick. People can get all kinds of diseases. This is not a place to play church. Especially our church is not a place where you can play church. Cannot. The fire of God is in our midst and it will consume every chaff that is there. So it is very important never to think that, oh, 
I can have secret sin, but still I can come and raise my hand in our church. No, it's not going to happen. From June, the fire of the Lord is going to be hotter in our services. Holiness of the Lord is a requirement for God's glory to fall and God's glory is going to fall. And it will cause God's power to be revealed. And that power comes to heal and that power comes to judge. Just like how it happened in the book of Acts and God promised us. Just like how it happened to Ananias and Sapphira, things like that will happen in our church. God has said that. And it's happening. We have to be very, 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 very careful as to what we open the door to, who we entertain. Hope it's not Lucifer. He is your enemy and not your ally. If you made a vow to the living God, make sure you keep it. Don't play games with that. If you open your mouth in the presence of God and if you said something to the Lord, make sure you keep it. Because God will require that in your hands. And God's word says that. Why do you have to be a fool? If you open your mouth and tell God something, make sure you say it. You do it. Because you have said it in the presence of the living God. The fear of the Lord has to grip everyone's heart in our church. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of integrity. We need to be people of God's love. We need to be people of great humility. You know, how many messages we've heard God has been speaking to us on humility, 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 humility. You know why? It's against the nature of Lucifer. Pride is Lucifer's trait. We as God's people, no matter where we come from, no matter what culture we come from, every culture, every language, every tribe has demonic strongholds. When a believer who is brought out of darkness to light, washed by the blood of Jesus, has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, has the seed of Christ inside of them, chooses to stay in the light, then they will have no part with the works of darkness and the workers of darkness. But if they choose to wander away from that light and step back into darkness, then darkness will cover them in less than a fraction of a nanosecond. Willful sin is a very dangerous thing. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Don't think that you can escape. No. Your sin shall find you out. Praise be to God. We're going to go into this section where God is going to show us how. He brought the victory. God brought the victory. He proclaims the victory. See, once God gives the victory, see, once God gives the message, he says that I'm going to give you victory. A lot of times people think that, oh, that means it's done and I have the victory already. Yes, he's given the word. He sent his word. Once he gave his word, that means it has been given. That means it has been laid up for me. I have to go and possess it. What happens once God gives a word? He expects us to do what God has called us to do, which is to go and possess the land 
that God has called us to. Many times the children of God fail to do that. They think, well, God has promised me, God has said this, or if you believe you and your household shall, uh, what, be saved, whatever. So they'll get saved. Somehow they'll get saved. Somehow they won't get saved. Oh, uh, they, I was prophesied that I will be uh, a preacher or a prophetess or evangelist or whatever it is. And somehow it's going to happen. Somehow it's not going to happen. You will have to pay a price, live a holy life. Prove yourself to God, worthy of that call. Only then He'll entrust His work into your hands. Somehow it will not happen. Somehow it will not happen. Let's go to Judges chapter 4. And let's read from verse 1. I'm going to read verse 2, actually. So the Lord sold them, who the children of Israel, because they did evil the sight of the Lord, into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Now Jabin, king of Canaan, is controlling the people of Israel, and they are in bondage. The commander of his army was Sisera. Now Jabin is a king, and he is controlling the children of Israel because they did evil in the sight of the Lord and God has given them over to the enemies of God like he usually does. And now the people of God have repented and they're crying out to God. Jabin's commander, army commander, was Sisera. And these were the people who were controlling like how Pharaoh, Egypt, was dominating the children of Israel. In the book of Judges, after they came, children of Israel who were supposed to be free people in Canaan because they did evil in the sight of the Lord, they were given over by God to the, to the enemies, hands of the enemies. These are the places they conquered and they came here, but now they have become slaves, basically. Just because God has blessed you, because you came to the Lord and God gave you all these things. Don't think that now I got all of these things and I can become treacherous to the living God and I can turn around and, and live like the heathen that are there. I can do all the things I did before. God will give you up over to the enemy. Remember that. God will cause the oppressor to oppress you. Remember. Until you begin to cry out to the Lord. What is the solution? You turn away from evil. Once and for all. And God will know if your repentance is fake or real. If you try to say, oh, I'm going to repent so that I get out of this, he sees that motive too, and he will not help you. Your motive has to be sincere. Your motive has to be, I'm never going to do this, Lord. I'm never going to do this, Lord. And should have in your heart that you're never going to do this. In your heart of hearts, if you have even a speck of, somehow God should get me out of this, and that's only the motive, God will not deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. I know why God is speaking, but I know God is speaking. And I also know when the Spirit of the Lord shows me things that God is doing something in our church which is purging. He's cleansing our church. He's purging our church. We have to be a holy people unto the Lord. No hidden sin. No secret sin. No ulterior motives. 
should be there in the presence of God. Because the fire of God will come and just burn the chaff, burn the chaff, burn the chaff. When it burns the chaff, everybody will know, oh, this is a chaff. No matter how the chaff tries to behave like the wheat, the fire of God will come and show. The divide will happen, which is real and which is not, which is good and which is bad. Judah started out good. Saul started out good. But somewhere, they became rotten like apples. They don't come out rotten. The tree is good. But somewhere, rottenness came in. Now you can't eat that fruit that came from the tree. You can't eat that fruit if it's rotten. I hope you don't eat rotten fruits. I won't eat rotten fruits. We can't eat rotten fruits. It's fit to be thrown. If you've come from the Lord and you've experienced salvation, it's a genuine work of the Holy Spirit and God has done miracles in your life. Don't become a rotten fruit. God is speaking to your hearts. Do not become a rotten fruit. Don't become treacherous in your heart and betray the Lord of glory who saved you graciously and blessed you and don't become a candidate. The enemy to take hold of you and destroy everything you have. Then come to the Lord and cry. There's no genuineness on the inside. He will not deliver you. Now the children of Israel cried out to the Lord and they cried out with real repentance and God is doing something here. And the children of Israel, verse 3, cried out to the Lord. For Jabin had 900 chariots of iron and for 20 years he he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. 900 chariots he had. It doesn't matter for God. Without any chariot, like we saw yesterday, one angel is enough for God to just destroy. 185,000 people. All chariots and horses will just be there with all the riders dead. But the children of Israel, now oppressed by Jabin, the king of Canaan, because they turned their hearts away from the living God, They were dealing harshly with the people of God who are no more the people of God. They became just like the heathen. So what is the devil doing? What are the demons doing? Oppressing. That's what the enemy will do. If you go to the enemy's camp, he will oppress you. Oh, believer, just like Samson went to the enemy's camp and he was oppressed, lost everything. Your life will become like that if you choose to go into the camp of the enemy. Thinking that the enemy is your ally. Oh no. He will oppress you. He will oppress you to the point that you'll cry out to the living God. He will deal harshly with you. Why? Why waste your days and why waste your years and why waste your resources? Why waste your life? Why waste your body? Why waste your family? Why waste your time on earth? Because there are only few. The time that you have on earth is few. What you are going to do for your eternity is few. And within those few fleeting days, you give them up over to the enemy for a large portion. What else is remaining for your eternity? Did you think about that? What else is remaining for your eternity? That's why you're going to be there for the rest of your life, your eternal home. What else is left for your eternity? Did you think about that Satan is a cruel taskmaster? He'll strip away everything from you. 
and take away your soul. What can man give in exchange for his soul? What can he give in exchange for his soul? Now, Deborah, a prophet, as the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you ten thousand men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy, I will deploy Caesarea, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. Now, God is speaking through Deborah the prophetess, and he is giving uh, an order, an order to the commander of the army. Who is that? Barak. Prophetess is coming and telling, this is what God is going to do. He heard the cries of the people. He sees their repentant hearts, and now he's going to help because he's going to pull them out of the hands of the enemy. How he's going to do, he's revealed. And Barak says, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Barak is saying something here. It's not that, oh, if the Lord goes with me, I will go. If the presence of the Lord doesn't go with me, I'm not going to go. It's not like how Moses said. No, this is different. He is doubting the prophecy that came through Deborah. He doesn't want to go to the battle because he is doubting what God has said through Deborah. So if Deborah goes, I will go. If she goes, I'll go. God is with Deborah, you see? If she goes, I will go. The word of God alone is not enough. If God said go through the prophetess, then go. We should have gone. The mistake that Moses made when God called him to go before Pharaoh, he said, I'm not going to go alone. No matter how many times God said, I'm not going to go alone. I cannot go alone. When God said, I'll be with your mouth. I'll go with you. That's not enough. Send me Aaron. Send me Aaron. And what happened as a result of Aaron? Whatever God had for Moses... The way God wanted to accomplish plan A that God had did not accomplish. God started working with plan B. The perfect will of God to use Moses alone was plan A. But now God is using plan B because his work has to go forward. So he's He's working with men just because God says, okay, okay, okay. Doesn't mean that that's God's perfect will. It's always a blessing to be within the perfect will of God. Crying and throwing tantrums and trying to twist the arm of God. And God finally says, okay. It's going to be okay, but it's never going to be the best blessing that God has for us. What happened as a result of Aaron coming into the scene? The primary work that God had for Moses to speak was taken away. He forfeited that. Every time Moses had to go and talk, Aaron would go there. And when Moses had to go and be with God, Aaron was the one who made the golden calf there. Yeah, people pressured, but who actually did it? And he also lied, saying that, oh, I, the people threw the gold in the fire and that calf came out by itself. No. Aaron used the tools and he made the golden calf. 
And he said, this is your God. What's wrong with this man? He saw all the miracles that God did. If God would have seen Aaron fit in the beginning itself, God would have called Aaron, not Moses. If God would have thought in his wisdom that Aaron would be the best choice to go with Moses, God would have done that. But he didn't. It was Moses who insisted that. Moses was a mighty man of God. But the beginning stages, there were some mistakes made. Why is it recorded in the Bible? So that you and I don't make that. It is important for us to see that that's what fear will do. Fear will rob you of your blessing. You let fear dominate your life. It will take away God's perfect will for your life. Don't let fear rule your heart. Don't let fear rule your mind. Don't let fear rule your future. Go by keeping your eyes on the living God. That's what Cesare did. That's what Barak did. Barak heard the prophecy that came through Deborah, but he didn't have the initial faith to say, okay, because she said, go, go and do it. God is going to give the enemy into your hands, go. But he didn't want to go by himself. He said, if you don't go, I'm not going. He felt like she's not coming. I go when I die and what's going to happen? He didn't have the faith. As a result of that, she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking for the Lord. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. I'm going to read again. I'm putting my glasses and reading it. So she said, verse 9, So he said, I will surely, she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. You can read the rest of the chapter on your own. Understand this very important principle. If God calls you to do something at that time, don't say, Oh Lord, not me. No, I don't think I can do. Lord, I need you to do something. Send four or five people or, you know, give me this or give me that. We can ask God to be our help. You need something, you can ask Him. But don't give excuses and don't say, I'm not going to go. I cannot do this, Lord. I cannot do this, Lord. Find someone, Lord. Sometimes people think that's humility. Telling the Lord, I'm not fit to do this. Lord, I'm not worthy. You find someone. You know what are you doing? You're passing, passing, passing. What God is giving to you, the blessing to somebody else. Don't forfeit your crown. Do not forfeit your crown, your call that God has for you. Life is too short. The hours and the moments that we have is very little. Before we know, it'll just go so fast. Live for tomorrow. Don't live for today. Live for eternity because your tomorrow is going to be indefinite and long. But today is calculated. It's It's calculated, measured. Our moments and days are measured. Eternity is forever. So we have to live our lives, live our our todays in the light of tomorrow, which is eternity. Deborah got up and she went because she knew she heard from the Lord. 
she knew who spoke, she said, I'm going. You're going to go and do God's work. But the full blessing that should have come to you, Barak, because God was going to give that victory into your hands, because God's intention was to bless Barak. But Barak forfeited that. If God calls you to do something, it is for you to be blessed. Don't forfeit that. When God tells you to do something, do it with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't forfeit it. Deborah went, and she, she did it. She didn't go and fight the battles. A lot of times, like I said yesterday, people show like she went with a you know, helmet and a sword and everything. She was a prophetess. She went with Barak. Like we saw the other day, about, I guess yesterday, about Saul and Agag. Samuel cut Agag to pieces in the presence of the Lord before the Lord because Saul didn't do what he should have done. Samuel was a prophet. He was not a warrior. But he did that. And Deborah, similarly, as a woman and a prophetess, she went with Barak, but she was not going there to physically fight. He didn't want to go without her. So she goes there. She goes up there and she says, Go! God has given them up. Go! And gave the charge in. Barak went. But Barak is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 because... When Deborah, when he went with Deborah, he believed. From a state of unbelief, he moved into a state of belief. So there's hope for those of you who think that, oh, I didn't believe before, I had unbelief, now what? I've lost everything. Now, Barak lost something major. But you know what? He still completed God's work with faith. Faith is very important because of that. His name is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Look, what a good God we have. What a kind God we have. What is lost is lost. But you can get what God has for you by doing what is right. By trusting Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. By being faithful to Him. With the time that God has given you, with the days and the moments that God has given you, be faithful to the Lord God Almighty. If you go to the end of the chapter, you can read the rest on your own. If you just go to the end, I want to read this verse, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Caesarea into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So this is the next prophecy that comes. She goes with him, and then she gives the prophecy, Get up, Barak, go! God has given the enemy into your hands, and this is where... The man who didn't believe before, he exercises faith and he goes there. And that's why he is in Hebrews 11. May God speak to your hearts today. Gone are the days of unbelief. Gone are the days of sin. Gone are the days of relying on your own strength. Gone are the days of playing games with God and his word. Now, what are you going to do? It should be gone are the days. By the way, it has to be going forward, there is no turning back. Going forward, I'm going to do that which is right in the sight of God. Going forward, I'm going to be determined to follow the ways of the living God. Now, God, verse 15, routed Caesarea and all his chariots and all his army. God did that with the edge of the sword before Barak. Barak did what God told him to do and who routed 
the enemy? Who caused him to be defeated? God. So while the battle is going on, you have a human warfare that's taking, and you have a heavenly influence that is happening. Heaven's army is there fighting. That's what is happening to us right now. As we are in the spiritual warfare, fighting, we're all praying every day. Every day coming and praying. And maybe like you're praying the same thing every day. No, it's not. Every time you pray, the Spirit of the Living God is leading your prayer very specifically. He's targeting the enemy. And guess what's happening? Heaven's army is fighting. The victory God alone can give comes from the hand of the Almighty God. He is very much alive and very much involved in this battle. When this is all over, I will take you, just like how it's written in the book of Judges, we have a story. How God destroyed the enemy will be our ELBIM church story. How Deborah had a song, we too will have a song. How Moses had a song, we too will have a song. Our God is on the move. He's working. As you're fighting, heaven is working, involved in it. The Lord routed Caesarea and all his chariots and all his enemy with the edge of the sword before Barak. Barak is fighting. But who is actually behind the whole thing that's happening and being that big force that is bringing defeat to the enemy? The Lord of the heaven's armies. He's with us and he's fighting our battle. Praise be to God. And so, now the army has been defeated. Not a man was left. Verse 17, Caesarea had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. Let me tell you this, as the Holy Spirit wants me to. Now, the entire army was defeated. Caesarea could have been defeated there. But no, God's word had to come to pass. God had told through Deborah that victory, or whatever God had to give to Barak, is going to be given to a woman. That honor is going to go to a woman. Remember that. When you're serving God, when you are in the army of the Lord, there's an honor that comes with it, an honor that comes from heaven. Don't live for the honor that comes from man, but live for the honor that comes from heaven. If you're just faithful and be like a little child, God will honor you for being faithful to him. Because this war, you see, was not a war for someone's personal rights. No, this is God's kingdom. These are God's people and this is God's war. And they went, even though it's for their families. These are people of God. That's a big difference. And so when we are scared and we are stopped by unbelief, what blessing that God has to give to you, or God intended to give to you, will be given to those who moved forward with faith during the battle. And so in order for the word of the Lord that came through Deborah to be fulfilled, because it was God's word, because God already planned at that time, okay, this is switched from Deborah, from Barak, Barak to a woman. And you see how it goes into Jael's hands. Caesarea fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, Jabin and king of Hazer and the house of Heber the Kenite. 
Now, God is moving Cesara, the captain of the army, to a woman's tent, according to his word. Not any woman, but a woman of faith. Understand that. When God wants to accomplish something, he will look for a vessel that meets his requirement. It's not that, okay, you're not doing it, okay, I'll find anything. And No, 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 no. He's not, you know, a God who will just do anything or give his work to anything or anyone. No. He will look for a qualified candidate that meets his requirement, faith. Jesus said that so beautifully, out of all the lepers in Israel, no one got cleansed except for someone outside Israel, which was Naaman the Syrian during Elisha's lifetime. Out of all the widows in Israel, no one had the privilege of having Elijah the prophet in their house and see miracles happen except for the widow of Zarephath. God's eyes scans the entire world and sees who is worthy of his work taking place there. So when Barak said no, God saw a woman who had faith that Barak didn't have at that time. So the blessing that Barak should have had, the honor that Barak should have had, went to the woman, Jael. Jael had the faith. You see that. What a strong woman she was. Fiercely doing the right thing. Jael went out to meet Sisera. That means she was moved by the spirit, waiting for the opportunity. She was not somebody in the tent. Let me just go to sleep. If he comes, let him come. I hope he doesn't come to my house. I hope he doesn't come to my tent. She was not like that. Many people are like that when it comes to things of God. I hope I don't have to do this. I hope it's not me. We should be proactive when it comes to things of God. Be proactive. Not doing your own thing, but wait for the Lord. God moved her now because she was a woman of faith. A woman of God. A woman of faith. The Spirit of God moved Jael and she goes outside and she brings the enemy to where she was and she spoke to the enemy in a wise way, gave the enemy what the enemy wanted and did what God wanted her to do in a brave manner. You can finish reading the rest of the chapter. As a woman, for her to accomplish what she accomplished, without the Spirit of God, you cannot do that. She's a woman too. Just like how evil spirit possesses people to do evil, God's Spirit gets into people who are eagerly waiting to do the will of God, passionate for the Lord, to accomplish the things of God. You cannot accomplish the things of God with human spirit. You need divine spirit. When the divine spirit comes into you, you do the impossible. That's when God gets the glory and he honors such people because now they are partnered with heaven. They're not just doing their own thing in their own strength. No, they're partnered with heaven where heaven has downloaded, poured something supernatural into that human being. Where now that human being is now operating with divine strength to fulfill what God has called them to fulfill because they had the faith and their lives were open before God. God was able to entrust them with something impossible. She went 
and did what the Spirit of the Lord moved her to do. Now the Spirit of the Lord gave her what she cannot do, which is to finish the job here. May the Spirit of the Lord speak to our hearts at this time. In order for the enemy to be destroyed, we need to have what it takes, which is faith. In order for the enemy to be destroyed, we need to have what it takes, which is to being in the presence of the Lord. To be proactive in this fight, in this war. We need to be people of faith, people of courage, people of God who would be willing to go against the enemy no matter what. To see, I want to see an end to Cesera. That's how this woman was. And she said, I'm not going to sit inside the house. I'm going to see. I'm going to wait and see. And as she saw, she saw Cesera coming and she knew that was Cesera. The Spirit of the Lord said, go. And she got up and she left. Not an ounce of fear. What if I go? What if, you know, he's tired? What if he kills me? What if he wakes up? And what if when I'm about to do this and he just catches my throat? None of those things. Because she was doing the will of God. She was full of the Spirit of God, full of faith, the woman of faith. May God speak to our hearts at this time. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. What is happening to the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God is suffering. What is, what is it suffering from? It is suffering from the violence of the enemy. Violence of the enemy. Can we be passive? If we are passive, that means we are saying, we are with you, devil. But Jael was not like that. Caesar also was not like that. Once he realized he had the faith to inherit what God had him too, and he's in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. May God help us to be like that. Partner with God. When the kingdom of God is suffering violence, God is looking for that one woman who will be violent. God is looking for that one man who will be violent. To take it by force on our knees, using our mouth, partnering with the Spirit of God, fiercely going against the enemy. Because the enemy is never going to leave if we say, Oh, enemy... You know, can you uh, please let me go? No. Moses didn't go and talk to Pharaoh like that. And regular speech didn't get Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart to let go of the Israelites either. God had to strong arm Pharaoh. Bring death to the firstborn after nine plagues in order for Pharaoh to let go of the children of Israel. The kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent took it by force. Moses had to be God's voice. Deborah had to be God's voice. Barak had to get up and go and do what God had called him to do. Jael had to get up and do what God had called her to do. Understand this. In the kingdom of God, there's partnership. It's not that God said, Deborah to go do it and Deborah just prophesied and the moment she prophesied everything happened in one shot the enemy died and everybody got paralyzed no God gives every individual in the in the kingdom of God responsibility and glory that comes with it partnership in God's kingdom Deborah was called to prophesy and Deborah was called to lead the battle when Barak was not able to 
because God's work has to go forward anyway. But with Deborah going with him, his faith was strengthened and he used his faith to go forward to lead the battle as the commander. Barak. Barak had a role. Under Barak, he had soldiers who went with him. That's how everybody fights. It's not just Deborah went, Barak went and then jail. No, not. this battle was not won by three people. No. You had an entire army going. But who was actually routing the enemy? It's God Almighty above everything. He is the commander of the whole thing. So Deborah had her part to lead, a major part. Then you had Barak who had a part to lead the people. That was another major part. Then you had the whole army of the people of God who went with Barak and Deborah to get the victory under God. Then when that was over, Sisera cannot be left alone. Sisera will cause a lot of damage, so God made sure Sisera is finished. So he had he had jail over there to finish the big enemy that was there, the commander of that army. So jail had a part to play. In this war, what is your part to play? What is God called you for? Are you sitting and doing nothing? Or are you playing that active role that God has called us to do as a church? Those of you who have played that part and continue to play the part, you will have a blessing in it. Like I said, there is a history behind this. There is a story behind this. A story of victory. I will share when God allows me to. We will share, we will see the glory of God fall upon God's people. We will see God do mighty things and every word that has been prophesied will come to pass and I will see it. We'll all see it. We're all looking forward to seeing it because every word God has spoken shall come to pass. It has come to pass all through these years. As long as we are holy in doing the will of God and not give to unbelief. When unbelief comes, it takes us away from the perfect will of God, takes us away from the plan of God. When complaining, murmuring comes, it pulls us away from the plan of God. But when we believe the word of God, like Barak did after a certain point, like even Sarah, who didn't believe before, had her name in the book of faith, Hebrews 11, because she believed after that point. She firmly believed. Because she firmly believed, she received strength in her body to conceive. That faith became her strength. Faith in God Almighty became her strength. She was living a holy life as well. Holiness and faith go hand in hand. Because if we really have faith, we will be holy. May God bless us tonight. And cause us to be people of action. People of faith will be people of action. To do the perfect will of God. May God help us to be people who are with Jesus and who would do what Jesus says. Never think that we know everything or we know more. That's the first mark of departure from the faith. If you know that you've arrived or if you feel that you've arrived, I should say, or if you feel that I know more than this person or I know more than that person and think that someone is lesser than you, 
that's a mark of departure. Beginning of backsliding. Sliding means you just slide fast. That's what backsliding is. You fall backwards fast. If you think that you're better than someone, be very careful. That's why God's word says, those of you are standing, take heed lest you fall. So if you see someone fall, or if you hear that someone fell, don't say, oh, I'm better than that person. Never say that. Never say that. Take that as a warning and be very careful. When you see Judas' life, take that as a warning and be very careful not to fall into that trap. You don't have to panic. You don't have to have anxiety because of that. Oh, Judas fell. I don't know if I'm going to be Judas. When I don't know when it's going to happen. No. If your relationship with God is genuine and you're walking with Him, there's no fear in perfect love. For perfect love casts out fear. But it has to be perfect love. If you're abiding in Him, His love is being perfected in you. Then there's no fear. You're not going to fall. What a difference between Judas and John the Apostle. What a difference. One was going behind the back and trying to see how he can sell Jesus. And the other one was all the time leaning on Jesus' bosom and was at the foot of the cross. And became the adopted son. By Jesus Christ giving him to his earthly mother. That's how much Jesus was able to trust John. And Judas was burning in hell in the meantime. May God help us to have that humility. Humility. Always remember, humility, no matter what you do, be willing to listen to counsel. Be willing to listen to God's word. Be willing to be corrected. When someone points out what you're doing wrong, don't get all upset over it. Who are you to say it? Why should they say it like that? Take it to the presence of God and see if it is the case. And if it's the case, receive that correction because it's good for you. Where there's no correction, people will perish. Only people who care about you will correct you. But Lucifer so proud. People with proud spirit will not want correction at all. I said, I don't want to be corrected. I want to be told. You know, I've heard so many people saying that. I don't want to be told. Wow. You can just see Lucifer right through. And then there are people who say, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. They'll be angry in their hearts. They will not want to do a thing. Some will go defiantly do the opposite. Some will not do and think. They won't move an inch. They'll say, I'll do whatever you say. We've seen that too. If I go wrong, please tell me. But if you tell them, you're finished. Some will say, please tell me. And if you tell them, they'll say, oh, thank you, pastor. And they won't do a thing about it. Don't fall into those categories. Those are snares of the enemy. Be humble enough to receive correction. Be humble enough to change. Be humble enough to do the right thing. Only then God will entrust his kingdom into your hands. May God bless you tonight. I know God has spoken to you from two different sections. So beautifully he spoke. Don't let the enemy talk to you, period. If you're a sheep of God, you should only hear the voice of God. You have no business with any other voice. Any other voice that comes through your human, whatever it is, will be 
your trap, death trap. If it is ungodly counsel, don't give heed to the counsel of the wicked. Don't give heed to the counsel of the wicked spirits that speak in your mind. Don't let the enemy walk with you and talk to you and keep giving ear to the demonic spirits. Because if you do that, then they will take you down by degrees and they will enter into you like they did with Judas. Now there are a lot of people where demons go when they occupy different parts of the brain, they occupy different, they sit over here in the ear, they sit over there in the head and you know, you have immoral spirits possessing people, you have murderous spirits possessing people, that's why you have in maximum security prison where people have committed serious murders but they have no remorse. What do you think they have? They are possessed with murderous spirit. They need deliverance. But you know what? They've given themselves over to that like Judas. Some will never get delivered. Judas never got delivered. May God help us to understand. Spiritual realm is a reality. You don't toy with sin. Period. He who serves sin is a slave of sin. How many of you know what the word slave means? It's a very cruel word. And the taskmaster is Satan, the most cruel slave owner. Be smart. Don't sell your body to the devil. Don't sell your mind to the devil. Don't sell your soul to the devil. May the Spirit of the living God minister to your hearts this night. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I come before your throne of grace. Lord, you have spoken to your people, and I thank you. For your eternal word, the words of life that you've given to us, O Lord. Your words are true. So real. I thank you. Touch your people at this hour. Bless your people, Lord. The word that you've spoken to your people may it impart faith, may it convict the hearts of the people. Bring thorough repentance once and for all, that they may never go down the path of deception and delusion. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our God, for being our guide, being our strength, being our portion forever. I thank you, King of Israel, our King and our God. Bless your people tonight. Lead your people in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you for leading this battle, O Lord of glory, the Lord of victory. Bless your people, Lord. We know our victory is at hand, that we are fighting and the Lord is routing the enemy. Hallelujah. God is going to destroy Sisera. God is going to destroy the army of Sisera. And God is going to give us the victory. Hallelujah. We are in a winning battle and we praise you, Father. Rejoicing and singing shall be heard in the tents of the righteous. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We thank you, Father. And our joy has come. It has come. It has come. And we thank you. We see through the eyes of faith and we thank you for our joy has come. Hallelujah. When Deborah went to the battle, she went knowing that 
This battle has been won by the Lord already. Hallelujah. With such confidence she went. Hallelujah. When Barak went after Deborah went with her, with him, he went with such confidence because the battle has been won by the Lord. God is fighting their battles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are fighting our battle, O oh God, and we thank you, Father. So through the eyes of faith, we thank you, Jesus, at this hour. And we sing songs of praise with shouts of victory. We thank you, Father, for your people who are here. Every day they're faithfully, they've come, O oh Lord, to your presence. I pray that you bless them. I know there's a blessing for every single person who sincerely been here, standing with us, fighting with us in prayer every day and every night. Father, that your blessing be upon your people, Lord. Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up to be mighty warriors of the living God. Thank you, Father. Together, we will do great things for the Almighty God. But God going before us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the part that you have for each one of us to play in the kingdom. We're so privileged, Father, to be your children. We're so privileged, Lord, to serve you. We're so privileged, Lord, to be in a battle where you are leading us. Hallelujah. We thank you. You are leading us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. What a great way to go to war. Because we know the result already. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.